0: One of the least known and tragically understudied Adena structures in West Virginia once occupied a ridge line near the town of Omar in Logan County. This was the site of a stone serpent mound described as similar in form to serpent mounds found in Kentucky and Ohio by surveyor Gary Wilkins in 1979. The serpent was oriented north, the head consisting of an oval ring of stone with a rectangular flat rock at the center. The serpent was composed of large, flat sandstone rocks extending in undulating fashion. Over 80 feet to the south, where it joined a natural rock outcrop incorporated into the design. The artificial wall varied between one and three feet in height and 1.6 and eight feet in width at the time of the survey. The natural section was aligned with the ridge and extended around 51 feet further to the south. Wilkins determined that the stone serpent was probably late Adena to early Hopewell in age and suggested that further surveys conducted in remote and rugged parts of West Virginia could reveal more serpent effigies. Sadly, no such surveys were ever conducted. Welcome this week's edition of The Sword and Staff. I'm one of your hosts, Josh Robinson, and joining me today as always is my co-host, Sketchy Richie. On today's edition of The Sword and Staff, Sketchy Richie and I are going to be talking about the lost serpent mound of Logan County, West Virginia. Hopefully not talking about that too much. Yeah, we don't want to spoil it. Uh, we want to give people a reason to tune in to our new docu-series that's going to be coming out in the fall of 2023 uh, called Shadow Appalachia. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit more on this week's edition, but we do want to share some of it
1: with you and kind of whetting your appetite for what is to come. So Richie, how are you feeling about today's episode, pal? Well, uh, providentially hindered is a good word for today's episode. Yes. A good message.
0: Which seems to be a consistent theme these days with a lot of
1: the things that we're doing. It went from, uh, two mics working instead of three to no mics working to, uh, Bo having to go because we couldn't get it to work, so Bo from uh, the Bump podcast was originally going to be on here with us to talk about the trip. He was one of the the guys that went up on the expedition with us, and technical difficulties, he leaves, and all of a sudden, the mics work, so do with that what you will.
0: So, so odd. So the the mics were, like, originally, it's like everything got dropped, like, three octaves. On the audio. It's like my voice was like. (laughs) (laughs) And then all of a sudden we got it fixed for a minute. Like we prayed and it fixed. The only mic that wasn't working was Sketchy Richie's. And I mean,
1: that's to be expected. And
0: then all of a sudden all three mics just cut audio like no audio whatsoever came through so i just told bo i was like man sorry i have no idea what's going on he's like hey, happens to me all the time spiritual warfare <laughs> and uh and uh which uh jeremiah and uh, andrew from cultish were talking about similar experiences uh with with their audio uh and technical difficulties in the past as well but um but yeah, so after that, uh Bo left and then we gave her another rip and boom, here we are. Everything's working
1: again. So. Yep. Literally went down the line and if Bo would have went uh couldn't have made it work, poor River. Yeah. Travis's brother, he was gonna Travis's <laughs> little brother. He's gonna be the only one left standing to right. talk yeah. about the trip. Yeah. Yep. That's funny. So uh
0: Richie, uh what what do you think? What did you think about our trip this past weekend?
1: It was very interesting, to say the least. Uh, we survived the ATV trip to the mountain. Which I was uh, extremely extremely. I was going to say Captain Josh at the helm of that uh, ATV. Side by side. Yep. Yep. And it was, he done a really good job. I was going to pick did. at him, but he'd done a good job getting us there. I did. And getting us, and getting us well part of the way back.
0: To the very end, pretty much. Yep. till the, the last sketchy hill. And I was like, no, nope, this isn't mine. I'm not going to wreck this thing. Come like, down the this hill. last l- lap is for the uh, mountain wizard himself. Which I wish that I would have risked it honestly, because crawling on a, a four-wheeler with Ward was the, the worst idea probably ever. So, if you're listening in, which I'm sure you will be, sorry, Ward. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, I bet Ward had fun. Oh, well, he had uh, he had a blast. He had a blast. Had a blast. blast. I, yep. I that, Me, on the other hand, it was a little bit different. Um, he had a blast too. To lame life, no, it was fun. He just has to be just, different. Just, just that—that's—that's that's a part of uh, being the Sigma male. You got to be the. Oh, I knew that favorite. was coming. Why am thanks, I not surprised thanks, that came thanks, up? F- thanks for that, Coleman. Thanks for turning me onto that. So, um, Coleman's so,
1: quite the enabler across the is, board. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, he, he he uh describes me to a T. <laughs> we'll roll with it. Yeah. So anyway, uh so we're gonna get into our um our trip, reflecting on our trip, uh to look for the lost serpent mound of Logan County. And uh we'll get into some theories about that and we'll talk about the significance of it. And, uh, yeah, and then we'll kind of close down the conversation talking about our plans for Shadow Appalachia. So uh, I've got a book here in front of me. It is called Ages of the Giants, A Cultural History of the Tall Ones in Prehistoric America by Jason Gerald and Sarah Farmer. And um, it actually has a section in it on the Serpent Mound of Logan County. And I wanted to just read it to kind of uh, get us going here in our conversation about it. Okay, so here's what it says. One of the least known and tragically understudied Adena structures in West Virginia once occupied a ridgeline near the town of Omar in Logan County. This was the site of a stone serpent mound described as similar in form to serpent mounds found in Kentucky and Ohio by surveyor Gary Wilkins in 1979. The serpent was oriented north, the head consisting of an oval ring of stone with a rectangular flat rock at the center. The serpent was composed of large flat sandstone rocks extending in undulating fashion over 80 feet to the south where it joined a natural rock outcrop incorporated into the design. The artificial wall varied between 1 and 3 feet in height and 1.6 and 8 feet in width at the time of the survey. The natural section was aligned with the ridge and extended around 51 feet further to the south. Wilkins determined that the stone serpent was probably late Adena to early Hopewell in age and suggested that further surveys conducted in remote and rugged parts of West Virginia could reveal more serpent effigies. Sadly, no such surveys were ever conducted. So that gets us started here on our expedition to the Serpent Mound. And one of the things that I wanted to just bring up here right off the bat is in our experience with this mound, there seems to be a narrative out there that this Serpent Mound truly is lost, right? And not just that it's lost, but that it no longer exists. Yep. Um, notice the section that I read here. It says one of the least known and tragically understudied Adena structures in West Virginia once occupied a ridgeline near the town of Omar. This was the site of a stone serpent mound.
1: And that, and that seems to be the consensus across the board with anybody that you ask. Like I've heard people say that the coal companies destroyed the mound and that you know, that locals have even defaced it like that. It's not on the ridgeline anywhere. Yeah. So, well, and, and not only
0: that, but, um, I actually shared some of the photos from, uh, our ex- expedition in the West Virginia archeological society group. And, uh, I'm just going to go ahead and put them on blast here. Um, so I shared it in there and it was interesting because right off the bat, there were a bunch of people commented on it. Like it got a ton of reactions. Yeah. And, um, there was some people who were like, oh, wow, I I didn't know that this existed anymore. Like, I I thought that it was gone. Yeah,
1: I remember that. Even the locals around here that I would would mention it to, like, oh, yeah, we heard something about that, like, back in the day, like, back in the 70s. But we heard that it was destroyed or that it was just gone. Yeah.
0: So, And then there were
1: people who started commenting
0: on it, and they were like, um, "Eh, it's probably best that it remains hidden and nobody knows about it because— And then
1: you have your casual gatekeepers (laughs) that— Right don't
0: want to Yeah, well, I think that that's certainly part of it. They don't yep. want people to know that it exists, and yep. that they don't want people to, uh, yeah, to venture up there and, and perhaps to face it. Now here was the interesting thing about it, okay? So I'm a paying member um, of the West Virginia Archaeological Society, but for some reason that I have yet to have explained to me, that post got me banned and booted from the group with no explanation whatsoever. So I actually had uh, one of the guys who is on the trip with us, Travis Turner. I had him go back into the group to find it because there was a comment that I was looking for there that I wanted to follow up uh, and do some research on. And I couldn't access the group anymore. And not only that, but as he was searching my name in the group, all of the posts that I had posted just disappeared magically. And I got no warning, no heads up. Whatsoever that, like, maybe I posted something that I shouldn't have, which I didn't. I didn't post anything at Winter Against Rules, but I got banned for no reason, and. Again, there seems to be this narrative out there that like anybody who talks about it is like blacklisted um, or, you know, it, it just seems that the powers that be don't want people to think that this thing exists for some reason. It's going to be like some sketchy
1: hidden Masonic order from Logan that's up there doing like naked rituals <laughs> on the mound. Yeah. Like, well, I really hope that's the case. Well, today, I was, if that know, is the case, I'm fine. Let them do it. Oh, my gosh.
0: Um, So today, too, I I actually come across a a Logan Banner uh, article from Dwight Williamson uh, from October 22nd, uh, 2017. And uh, it's actually not about the Serpent Mound. It's actually about Tennis Hatfield, who was the son of Devil Lance Hatfield. And the article's called The Story of Tennis Hatfield, Son of Devil Lance. And I was searching keywords in it, and it just so happened that the Serpent Mound came up in this article. And I wanted to read a, a paragraph here to you. To Just to drive home my point here, that for whatever reason, uh, there is a narrative out there that this thing does not exist any longer. So here's what it says. Uh, Tennis had lost his clout and was drinking heavier than usual while being sued by different businesses and individuals. So tennis... That's being mentioned here is Tennis Hatfield. This is the son of Devalance Hatfield. With Democrats clearly in political power and lawsuits pending, the Blue Goose Bar and Boarding House would both be burnt, as would Devilance's home place where Tennis happened to be residing. Few people know it, but the site of the Blue Goose Bar, which was referred to as the Blue Goose Pub, sat in Barnabas. And it was once the site of several tourist attractions. Ooh, I wonder what those tourist attractions could be. Let's find out. Visitors many years ago traveled by bus and saw the following Logan County locations. Jack Dempsey's childhood home at Holden. Jack Dempsey was a world champion boxer. The old mine portal at Rossmore. The Indian serpent mound at Pine Creek. The Cap Hatfield Cemetery. Um. Yeah, the Cap Hatfield Cemetery, Cut Stone House at Steerett, Cap H- Hatfield's home, and the Hatfield Cemetery, Hatfield Fort site, and the Devil Ants Hat- Hatfield home site. Only the cemeteries and stone cut home remain today.
1: Which is obviously not the case. <clears throat> Which is obviously not it's the case. It's not
0: the case. We're here to tell you today, for the very first time, That the old Indian serpent mound at Omar on Pine Creek on top of the mountain ridge is indeed still there. It still lives. And we have seen it. We've seen it. With our own two eyes. Yep. And not only did we see it, but a whole crew of men who went with us also saw it. Yep. Seven guys went out on the expedition. We all saw it. Yep. And we have photos of it. Which apparently got me banned from the West Virginia Archaeological it Society did. for no reason. <laughs> but, uh, like, it was instantly recognizable. Like, when we got up there, like the trip up there. Let's talk about, let's, well, let's, before we get into okay. how it recognizable was, let's start from the beginning. Let's talk about our trip. Let's tell a story. It's story time with let's, Sword it's and Stack. That's what why people that's why people, that's why people love our podcast. They love the story time. So, let's talk <laughs> about the trip. Okay. All right. So. <clears throat> We were providentially hindered right from the beginning. Yeah. (laughs) We did not, we were not sure that we were going to be able to go, right? Because I had stuff going on at work, and while I had stuff going on at work, so did Ward. Ward had stuff going on from work, and he was coming from Ohio all the way to to Logan County. But we made it on time, right?
1: Everybody made it. We all got there. Travis ended up getting pulled over. Uh, Right. There was a bunch of just different stuff trying to keep everybody sort of away or sort of discourage everybody from, like, making the trek. Yeah. Like, I would call that almost diabolical confusion because I've seen sort of things like that play out in the field where uh, the enemy will do things or call situations that sort of dissuade you from pursuing them, your goal, investigating things like that. So Yeah. So, after we all pushed through, we all got there, right?
0: And so we all started gearing up, right? And uh, everybody got there and we were ready to roll. We got the side by sides out. We got the four wheelers out. So we had Ward
1: literally met us at Travis's house and was out of his car and on a four wheeler within like ten minutes. Yes. So <laughs> there wasn't much time to go. We
0: loaded up, right? We had all the gear. And so about how long of a trip was it up to
1: the top of the mountain? Oh gosh. Twenty five minutes, thirty minutes? It was a while. I know I recorded video on the the phone for like at least thirty minutes. Okay.
0: So it was about 30 minutes, and then we got up to the top of the mountain, so we went up a bunch of sketchy roads on the way there. I was driving the side-by-side. I had you. I had Bo from the bump, and then I had Cole. Cole Shannon. Who also helped with Dark Holler. Yep. Um, We rode together, and then Ward rode a four-wheeler with Dave Miller. Uh, And then uh, Travis. Travis. Travis rode a four-wheeler by himself. And...
1: uh, so I'm we, here to tell you the only reason we made it was because we had the saint that is Cole Shannon <laughs> chanting the song. <laughs> oh, wait, no, you and, gotta wait, you gotta wait. <laughs> he was doing it on the way up too. Was he? And praying, yeah, that's where it all started. Like, I was like, I keep looking over my shoulder like, Cole, are you praying back there? He's like, I've never stopped. He's yeah. like, praying without ceasing back here. Yeah, so it was, it was funny. Uh,
0: but we finally got to the top of the mountain. Which looked like a reclaimed mine site to me. I mean, it's just open at the top. Looked, looked a lot. If you've ever seen a reclaimed mine site, it's what, a lot of what it looked like. So we got to the top and then a uh, lot of stinky mud holes on the way. Oh, yeah. Just bad. Gone awful.
1: It looked like the perfect place on the way up. To, you would just want to see Bigfoot like at, any tur- at any turn, like him just chilling out in the bush somewhere. So Travis navigated
0: us 30 minutes up the hill which was his part. So it's kind of two parts. Like Travis had a part, which was getting us to the top of the mountain to where we couldn't drive anymore. And then Dave Miller got us uh, because he's a mountain wizard. He's a mountain wizard. He's a hunter and he's got skill and he, uh, he got us uh, there on foot. So we got to the top of the mountain and all of a sudden we see this big, like tower. Like it looked forever out there. I,
1: mean, like, I remember going out there, and we well, we kind of descended a little bit down the hill. Yeah, we had and into this valley and back up. And when we got to the top, I think Travis thought that we were we were there. And then when Dave pointed at this tower in the distance, he goes, "Yeah, we got to get there before yeah. that sun goes down." Well,
0: Travis Travis had navigated; it. he had got there before, and he yeah. saw that we were .8 miles away from it on foot. And so he's like, all right, we're just going to go down this hill, and yeah. boom, we're going to be right there. And then Dave was like, all right, by my calculations, we're going to be going over there to that tower, which looked forever away. It did. Looked, I mean, like everybody's like, oh, man. So
1: I, I was excited for it. I was hoping that we were all going to have to walk. Which the, we did end up over at the tower. Yeah. But we ended up kind of doing a shortcut. Over I didn't know it. that we were taking ATVs. Like, that was a last minute thing. I was under the assumption that we were hiking the five miles and there and then the rest of the <laughs> way, whatever it was. And it was, when we, when we found the ATVs, that was interesting. But we got there, we saw the tower in the distance. Travis about had a heart attack when he realized that it, I mean, I, to his credit, it did look pretty far away. It was a lot farther, I guess, than what it seemed. Yeah, it looked a lot further. So we we have to
0: go down the mountain. So we descend down into a valley. And so we go through a crap ton of briar bushes. And, uh, we kind of end up going around the mountain and start to, we, we find a road. Yeah. Uh, there was a, like, a, I don't know what kind of road it was. I don't know if it was a, an old hall road or, or what, but there was a road and so Dave's like, yeah, let's get on this road. So we get on the road and as we get on it, we start going up the road, maybe 50 to a hundred yards up the road. And you can see that there's a ridge line starting to go up onto the mountain and the road goes parallel to it. Yep. And Dave just all of a sudden says, "You know what? I'm going to walk this ridge line. I'm going to see what's up on this ridge line." So I'm like, "All right, I'll follow you." And then everybody else, you know, follows after that. So we start ascending up this ridge line, and as we do, we start noticing just tons of stacked stones. And then the further up we go, Like, the stone, like, it begins to get I remember the first time
1: that I saw the edge of it, like, there was, there was, like, four to six stones, like, stacked on top of each other, Mm -hmm. like, automatically my brain's like, that's not natural, like, what is this? Like, I've seen trail markers like that before where people have kind of marked their place and their locations, like, maybe that's what it is, but then as I looked and you see this meandering shape start to appear, Mm -hmm. like, I was like, oh, wow, this, this might be it. So... At one point, I'm literally standing
0: on the spine of it, yeah. And I'm like, guys, this is it. We literally walk out onto the serpent We spine literally of this mound. walked out onto the serpent mound. Yep. I was like, guys, this is it. This is this is it. Everybody's like, yeah, I think you're right. I think this is it. And so, I mean, when
1: you, when you see it, it, there's no doubt what it nah. is. Like, it's it's so obvious that it's artificially yeah. sort of manipulated. You can see where the stones have been pulled from the natural formation that's described in the article. Yep, yep. And it's it's aligned in this curvy. Snake shape across the spine of the ridge, and yep. so we get you know. up there and we start, uh,
0: you know, looking around and checking it out. And this thing literally is everything that the book said it is. I think Dave measured it off roughly, and he measured like a hundred foot or something like that around about, um, which is pretty much what it says in the book.
1: Yeah, it gives an estimate. Of what like seventy to eighty feet of natural formation, and thirty. 30 yeah. uh, foot that was added onto it so or something it like that. So basically spot on.
0: Yeah. Um, and so we also noticed that there was a, a natural uh, high point there, too. And so as we're walking up the serpent, we see it like right at the head of it. And so we go and explore it, and you can actually see where
1: they pulled the stones out from underneath this high point. Yes. I climbed up on top of that high point and that when I got up there and looked down at the mound, you can absolutely see it way better from up there. Like yeah. you can actually see the curvature in the, yeah. in the body as it's going through the trees and things back there. Yeah. So it it was definitely interesting to see. Yeah, it literally runs up and down a ridge line. Yep. And so you can see under that in two spots, there's those two huge outcroppings of rocks that's there. And you can see where stone has been taken from underneath it. Because I even mentioned to Cole and then when me and Cole walked back there, I was like, it looks like almost like artificial brickwork is what the, the stones look like. You can see where they're in there just like digging them digging them out and taking them out of the side. Yeah. And well yeah. it's fascinating
0: because as we was looking at that up on the, the high point there, you could see markings on the rocks where it looked like that there were some sort of tools used to pull those rocks out from underneath it. And there were tons of rocks laying down off to the side of it. Well it looked like that they had been pulled out and maybe dropped
1: or left or something. Probably some taken down there off the the natural formation, worked and shaped a little and brought back to the mound. Yeah. And so we get up there, we explore that. We Probably the interesting most interesting stone though is the one that sort of sits at the the far end there that has all these uh one places in it like it looks like a giant like mortar and pestle yeah like it has these in these bowl shaped indentions and in there where something ground down into the rock yeah in a few places yeah so as we're so we're what we we're, were up there probably what looks like an offering stone I'll be, I'll be honest is what it looks like to me we
0: were up there probably what 35 45 minutes before it got dark yeah i would say and so we, you know, about an hour so we're kind of exploring it and then richie stumbles upon a stone that literally looks like it's been carved on. And it it looked like that it was maybe mortal and mortar and pestle oh, or no something. No doubt like in my that. mind. Like if, but if you it was see definitely
1: uh, artificial, for sure. Yeah. Like if you see the old uh like stone age looking mm-hmm. uh mortar and pestle stones that you yeah. see where they would would take uh just boulders and ram them against other boulders and like the first primitive like tools. Yeah. Like that's what it looked like. Like yeah. in multiple spots. Like there was even a A documentary I saw one time where uh, these monkeys were actually using tools. They were taking these nut husks and putting them on the stone Mm -hmm. and crushing it with another rock. And over time, where they had done this so much, you see these little divots in the rock all over the place where this whole troop of monkeys had done this for like forever up there. And that's what it looked like. Yeah. It was clearly, it was obviously uh, signs of use of tools up there. Yeah. Um, That and plus the
0: markings on the rocks on the cliff side. You could see where tools were definitely used to to pull rocks out of uh, underneath the the hillside there, and um, yeah, it's just is really really surreal,
1: right? So, did that article say that people used to come to Logan to visit the That's What it said. Now, does that make sense of the sign we saw up there, like the old parking sign? Is that know. where that come from? I don't know. Like, I have no it just It's so out of place when you see it back there. It makes no sense. Like, parking yeah. for what? Like, it looks like the old green parking signs you see at, like, National Parks or something, or a campground. Yeah. So it doesn't make sense that it's there if there's nothing there for you to, like, see, except for the Serpent Mound. So, I mean, maybe back in the day when that thing was being actively visited, maybe there there was a place to park, and that's what that was, but... I don't know. Like I, I have so many questions. Like, at this point, it was point, a mass store, uh, like a mass tourist attraction. Like, how are you getting people up? That's what I want to know. How people were getting up there? Yeah, like just casually in cars because we it literally took us ATVs to get back there. Yeah, Bo has a jeep. Like he and he was nervous to even take a jeep back there. So yeah, at this point,
0: I'm just going to be honest with listeners. I have a lot more questions than I have answers. And I have no idea how people were getting back up there in the day. Um, I just have a lot of questions about it. So I want to get into some of the features that we noticed while we were up there. So coming into this, um, I did a lot of research. And the research that I did was I, I did as much research as I possibly could on the Logan County Serpent Mound. But the the reality is that there just is not a ton of information no, out there's there.
1: There's nothing out there.
0: The the uh, you know Gary Wilkins surveyed it in 1979. He wrote a paper um, that was in a journal article in Tennessee. About and that's it. another
1: thing people are like how do you know that you found it we literally lined up the picture yeah well like, we had pictures of yeah. it and then not only that but from it was the original very, survey
0: well it was very obvious too oh yeah um like it's just it was not a natural structure like you could tell that it had been intentionally stones were intentionally stacked you could see where they were brought from a the, the kind of the cliff there and they had been brought out and they'd been carried over there and then not only that but it, it matched up too. With um from the notes from and the, from the, notes. the survey yeah in yeah, the survey yeah well what little bit of the survey that we have uh, available to us where it's talked about in Logan Banner and stuff like that the 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 actual journal article that Gary Wilkins wrote in '79 is super difficult to get a hold of he did it in Tennessee it was in a Tennessee journal and I've actually got a bounty out on that journal <laughs> yeah, Josh article. put out a bounty I put out a bounty on it in our Discord server for anybody who has access to it and can find it. I'll actually name it here real quick. I'm
1: pretty sure when we were up there, like we, I know on my, I have an Apple watch ultra and I was leaving waypoints up the, up the trail. So we'd figure out how to get up and down. And I happened to look and I noticed that this, the serpent did a line on the North and South line to the compass. So even that part of the survey was pretty spot on. Yeah. Um,
0: I had a message actually there from uh, one of our patrons. That I got to read here later, but, uh, I, it, so it appears in a 1981 journal for the Tennessee Anthropological Association new le- newsletter in Knoxville, Tennessee, and it's called A Rock Serpent Mound in Logan County, West Virginia by Gary R. Wilkins, and I, I dropped the notes to it in our Discord and put a bounty out on it. Put a bounty on Whoever it. Whoever finds it will get swag from me personally. I yep. will. I will compensate you for finding that if you can locate it for me. And you'll actually play a part in Shadow Appalachia uh, in, in locating cadence of that. But with the information that I had, um, I did research on what little bit was out there that was available to the public. And, um, but I did most of the research on the Great Serpent Mound in Adams County, Ohio. Because here's what I was wanting to do. I was really, really wanting to draw parallels between the two. Like, I, I wanted to see if they shared Similarities, And there were several things that I, I wanted to note coming into this about the Great Serpent Mound that I wanted us to look for in the Logan County Serpent Mound. And, and some of those things were um, that the, uh, the Great Serpent Mound in uh, Adams County, Ohio, is in an area that is naturally anomalous. And so it's actually sitting in an impact crater, which is called... The Serpent Mound crypto explosion structure. Um, (laughs) Yes. I mean, (laughs) what a name, but I guess it's fitting. It literally sits right on the outskirts of a crater. And because of that, it is naturally anomalous. It has a lot of gravitational anomalies. um, And not only that, but just a lot of other odd things about it. So I actually have Graham Hancock's book here before me called America Before. The Key to Earth's Lost Civilization. And I don't agree with everything that Hancock says, but he does write some provocative and um, interesting things. But here's what he says. Dating back to the time of the impact, an intense magnetic anomaly centered on the site causes compasses to give wildly inaccurate readings. There are also gravity anomalies caused by the impact, and there are multiple underground caverns, streams, and sinkholes that, in the view of Ohio archaeologist William Romaine, would have been seen by the ancients as entrances to the underworld. Among many people, unusual or transitional areas such as this are often considered sacred. Indeed, such places are often considered supernatural gateways or portals between the celestial upper world and the underworld one can only conclude that the serpent mound builders were aware of at least some of the more unusual characteristics of this area and that they located this effigy in this anomalous area for a very specific reason so so that was the first thing i wanted to check out to see if there was any relation that this was in a naturally anomalous area a place where there were magnetic anomalies and gravitational anomalies now here's what we found with the logan county serpent mound okay there's a map that you can get out there it's uh, put out by the u.s government and it's a graph where there are gravitational anomalies and here's the deal where this map is situated is centered in a hot spot for gravitational anomalies now um I did not see any magnetic anomalies while we were there. We actually took an old school compass with us. I had it around my neck. If you go back and look at some of the pictures that will be posted and some of them that's already been posted, I had an old one on my neck. Uh, so there was, uh, you know, I checked it out while I was up there. There were no magnetic anomalies going on with the area. Now, maybe there's some more around the area. Maybe there's some gravitational stuff going on there. I don't know. Don't even know how I would test for gravitational anomalies at this point, but for the magnetic ones, it didn't seem that there were.
1: There were... Do we want to discuss... No, not yet. Okay. Not yet, not yet. Not yet. I was going to say, that. there were some anomalies. You're just... No, there were some, some, some anomalous things Some happening. pretty major anomalies, in my opinion, but yeah. given so, the area. But yeah. okay. We'll, we'll wait for that.
0: Um, so that was one thing that I wanted to find. Another thing was that the serpent... Um, in Adams County, Ohio is situated in a very particular way with the cardinal directions. Okay, So the way that it's situated, it actually aligns with the summer solstice, which I think is like June 21st, June 25th, somewhere in that range. Yep. I'm not real sure. And so whenever the sun sets on the summer solstice, it actually, if you're standing there at the serpent mound, at the head, experientially, it looks like the sun is setting in the mouth of the great serpent. Okay. So one of the things that I wanted to find while I was there with this one, with the tools that we had was how it was oriented towards the cardinal directions. And from our findings, it does appear to be situated in the same way as great serpent mound in Logan County or in, in Adams County, Ohio. Now, Somebody will have to go back up there on the summer solstice to see if the summer solstice um, sets at its head. But it does appear to be situated in a way that it would. And I'm betting, if I'm a betting man, I'm betting that the summer solstice, when the sun sets, it probably sets right there where the rock ridge was at, right where the head of the serpent is. And it goes down that way. Now, well, that's a theory. That'll have to be tested. I
1: mean, it did share that. Honestly, though, who? I mean, I would go up there during the solstice, but in peak rattlesnake season, I don't think you'd probably want to find yourself on that ridgeline, right?
0: No, because it is
1: absolutely. You can understand why people say that the area is famous for snakes. Mm -hmm. It is absolutely rattlesnake heaven up there. Yep, that's true. Um,
0: So that was uh, one of the, the things that we wanted. To check out there, and that does seem to be a thing. Another thing that I wanted to check out was to see if it, um, if it had an altar stone at the head. And here's the reason why. So the Great Serpent in Adams County, Ohio, it actually had an altar built at the head. And I actually have a... Uh, actually have a chart here uh, that has a list of serpent mounds across the world. And the one in Adams County, Ohio, um, it's fascinating. Uh, it, it is, uh, the alleged purpose is ceremonial astro calendar. So that gets the, the point that we're making about it aligning with the summer solstice, right? Um, but we also know that there was an altar that was built in the head, and that was knocked over by some people in the 19th century. They actually destroyed the altar that was there, and it's no longer there, okay? Um, So I wanted to see if there was an altar stone with this one because whenever I was reading through Ages of the Giants by Jason Jarrell and Sarah Farmer, one of the things that it explicitly mentions is that at the head, it says, um, let's see here, it was uh, the serpent was oriented north, which we found out is true. Uh, and the head was consisting of an oval ring of stone with a rectangular flat rock at the center. Now, this perhaps might have been true in the day that Gary Wilkins was there and that he surveyed it. But unfortunately, that was inconclusive for us. We were not able to to find that. There was a lot of stones scattered. Uh, in that area, like I mean, they were obviously stacked up, but it did look like that many of them had fallen down, or maybe people had been up there and moved some, or something along those lines. But there were some stones up there that were rectangular looking, but well, they I mean, weren't carved.
1: You could look at it. You could stand at the. Where's mine? That water. Mine. Oh, well, you could stand and look at the, uh, the from the tail of it, and as you look out through there, you can tell that one of the ends was very bulbous compared to the others so you could see to where the the head of the serpent was and when you get down to the end of it the rocks that formed the head i thought were in a kind of a circular pattern because and then at the front of it was that stone that looks like that mortar and pestle so i thought that was what it was referring to like i thought that i was like if anything's an altar stone it's this and like it literally looks like it was me- it was meant for offerings that's what that's what it looks like yep
0: Um, I felt like there was one more thing that I wanted to look at there. I think that was it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that that was the things that I wanted to look at was if there was an altar stone there, if there were gravitational anomalies, uh, if it aligned to the cardinal directions in a certain way, those were the main things that I wanted to find. And so um, one of them for sure seems to be the fact um that'll have that'll have to be tested. well
1: just to be fair on the anomaly side of things like even with gravitational anomalies if you're going to use something like a compass mm-hmm. like it requires some some ob- observation there over yeah. time and we had all of maybe an hour before the sun went down yeah and then we were there for a little bit after the sun went down but definitely we were the purpose of this trip was to find it it was an expedition to yeah. locate the mound to sort of get a first look at it. get it, Because before then, we had no idea what we were looking for. Like, we knew it was back there. We had, like, what, one picture mm-hmm. and a description in a survey. Yeah. And so when we got there, we had no idea what we were going to find, if it was going to even be back there. So that was kind of the, the point of this. Like, I did do some readings
0: with... Let's talk about that now. Because okay. this is where things, I think, start to get interesting. So we didn't run into any gravitational anomalies while we were there, but there was some anomalous things happening there. Yes. Okay. Let's talk about that.
1: When we got there, uh, I brought some electromagnetic field detectors and things like that with me. One of them was uh, a millimeter. A millimeter reads temperature, EMF, all those kind of things simultaneously and uh, in the paranormal use them to correlate cold and hot spots with emf spikes that's what reads both so when we were there uh the baseline when we got up there was 0.0, 0. like i never saw it spike the entire time we walked up th- through the serpent mound and when i got the when we turned around at the uh the natural formation and started our way back and we prayed together yeah we, we- things started to Pick up, yeah. So we, so we decided
0: that while we were up there, we would take time to pray and just assert the lordship of Christ over this area, right? Because there's not one square inch of creation that does not belong to Him.
1: Which I was telling them for days before this. It's like just the, that. Cultural clash and that clash of spiritual beliefs. I've seen in the field, in the paranormal field, that that generates such a backlash when it comes to paranormal activity. I was fully expecting something to happen. So we read some Psalms, so we prayed. We read
0: some Psalms, which was Psalm 91 and Psalm 24, which is, you know, lift up your heads, you gates. You know, lift them up, you everlasting doors, so that the King of Glory might come in. Uh, And then, you know, Psalm 91 talks about these spiritual beings that are. Uh, pestilences and sicknesses and all those types of things, right? Um, and while we were up there doing that, we also started singing psalms while we were there. So we read the psalms, and then we That's started That's when I noticed the, the anomalies. We, read, we sang Psalm 23. Uh, there was another psalm that we sang, too. I can't remember what it was. And then,
1: as this was happening, what happened? When I first noticed the spikes, they, again, the baseline was 0.0. All artificial sources of EMF had been accounted for. Right. We had walked uh, up
0: there. We all had cell phones. Yep. Those types of things. They were accounted for. The baseline reading was still 0.0, so they were not picking up on something like yep. that.
1: I made sure to keep distance from everybody that had any sort of technical gear. I, I made sure that all the artificial sources were accounted for. And when we were praying, all of a sudden, uh, a K2 meter that I had that just measures EMF in the form of a light spectrum, so mm-hmm. it was green to red and it starts off with green being baseline and the green light above it being one, and then it runs to, I believe, like 20 milligauss, Mm -hmm. and it spiked to red all of a sudden. Now, mind you, most uh, home appliances don't even spike the meter to red. So whatever there was giving off... Whatever was there was giving off an enormous electromagnetic field, and it was something unaccounted for. It was something that wasn't artificial. So that is something that I've rarely even seen... In that intensity, and most hauntings that I've investigated, so as the as we were praying, I noticed that the spikes would come and go. They would be transient. They would uh, almost it would like they would come close to us, and the meter would detect it. Then they would back away. And then I got out the millimeter, and the millimeter has a digital readout, so you can actually see these fluctuation fluctuations down to the decimal point. And at its highest that I saw on there was fifteen point two, and that was just 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 unheard of like out of any haunting that i've ever been in uh, aside for a few cases i've never seen it spike that high and that's what really caught my attention okay
0: so there were some anomalies going down there and i guess you could
1: i guess you could say that is a magnetic anomaly it is and it's direct correlation with what i would consider religious provocation just our presence being there is religious provocation you have these natives that dedicated this ridgeline in this mound, to the worship of these principalities. Mm-hmm. So us being there, bringing just who we are as Christian men, we're li- it's literally a slap in the face. Well, to it's, the ritualistic it's sacred abuse that went on there.
0: It's sacred, the sacred infringing upon the profane. Yeah, just right.
1: our presence there was an act of war, and you could actually see this play out in in the instruments that we had in the the meters. Like you could see that there was something going on in the Unseen. And I remember something, tra- was it Travis that even said? Yeah. yeah. He said, I wish that I could see into the Unseen right now and just see like, what's going on around us. Like he, he said, I wonder what it would look like seeing these things around us. And from the meters, I mean, something was there.
0: Yeah. So there was some kind of
1: anomalous thing happening.
0: Now, and not lists- only
1: that, but as we were walking away, it would follow us. So it moved away from the mound. We'd walk down the mound. And it would follow us. Then I broke away from the group and would go back and it wouldn't be there in the same spot, then it would uh, manifest somewhere else. So it was completely transient. And it was interacting with our our, our singing the Psalms and things like that. Prayer, so it scripture was, reading. It showed intelligence. And that's something that defies any sort of natural explanation. Yeah.
0: I think that people listening to this, they have to give an account for that, right? Like, how do you deal with that? Like, that there are scientific devices being used here. Whenever you go into this location, the baseline, the control is zero, nothing. And then all of a sudden, when there is religious provocation happening, right, like Christian spirituality, you get
1: electromagnetic spikes. And people need to understand that I've worked cases for 15 years and I've used this equipment constantly. Like, I know this equipment, like the back of my hand. I know the like, electromagnetic spectra- spectrum. I know how to. Use these tools, and I know how to uh, to take base readings and things like that. And when I say that this was very strange anomalies, like that's 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 huge. Yeah. Like compared to things I've seen in the field, like these stood out to me as being something worthy of investigate future investigation.
0: And now, lest anyone think that what we're saying here. Is not something that the the people, the natives were who were there originally, didn't experience. Let me just read you a section here from Graham Hancock's work again, America Before. Here, okay, so he's, he's got a section here called Ground and Sky in a, the first chapter called The Enchanted Realm. And here's what he says. So he's talking about the Great Serpent Mound. Okay, he says the site is almost deserted. But there are a few people in the shot, and they give me a sense of its scale. I know it already from my background research, but to see it with my own eyes is quite another matter. This uh, undulating serpent with its gaping jaws is 1,348 feet long. The earthwork mound that forms its body averages around 4 feet in height and tapers from a width of 24 feet to about 22 feet in its seven principal meanders before narrowing farther into the spiral of the tail. People beside it appear to be midgets or elves in the shadow of a dragon for the first time with a shiver down my spine. I became aware, not in my intellect, but in my heart, in my spirit, that a mighty and uncanny power slumbers here. Ron seems to read my mind. Some call it Manitow, he says. But I go further. I'd say our serpent is Gitchi Manitow, the great, the great spirit and ancestral guardian of the ancient people. For those reared in the materialist reju- the reductionist mindset of Western science, the Native American notion of Manitow seems slippery and elusive. Though it may be materiali- though it may be materialized, it cannot be reduced to matter. Nor can it be weighed, measured, or counted. It is an unquantifiable, formless, but sentient force. Supernatural and omnipresent and omniscient. In one sense, a spiritual entity in its own right. In another the mysterious unseen power that animates all life and that can manifest both in natural phenomena and man-made objects and structures that have been created with correct intent, the profoundness of a spiritual presence of Manitow. And through it, recognition of the supernatural, comments one authority, was and is is a tangible entity seen and felt by hundreds of generations of Indian people of North America. In essence, Native people perceived a spiritual landscape imprinted on the physical landscape as both one and the same. This duality of the natural world still inspires native population to revere as sacred certain places and rocks deemed to possess manitou. So, here he is talking about that there are native people who associated this great spirit this this great spirit this guardian spirit with these kind of earthworks. I suspect that we encountered something very similar to that there.
1: I would agree. Yeah. Yep.
0: You have to account for the the anomalies there, and you cannot do that through a materialistic reductionistic worldview. You just can't. So you're going to be forced to deal with that. Now, I want to get into some of the significance of this. Okay, well, like, what if our theories here are correct? Like, what if it is aligned to, to the summer solstice, like the Great Serpent Mound? Um, those types of things. Like, why does that matter? Well, here's why I would say that it matters. It means that you have something constructed here in Logan County, West Virginia, that is not known to the public and is not being talked about, and actually, if you start to talk about it, people start to look at you funny and boot you from their Facebook groups. Um, You have something constructed here in Logan County, West Virginia, that is built and constructed in the same way as not just the Great Serpent Mound in Adams County, Ohio, which is in of itself uh, an ancient marvel, um, but also other things, too, like Stonehenge, the Great Sphinx in Egypt. Um Those types of places, because guess what? all of those earthworks are also constructed to align with astronomical signs like the like Stonehenge actually aligns with astronomical events as well it 's not just the serpent mound, right um, I have here in my book uh, right here the Stonehenge on the summer solstice. It, It actually aligns with the hillstone and the sarsen stone in the in in uh, Stonehenge. It's the same thing with the with the uh, the Great Sphinx in Egypt. It align like literally go Google it. Type in Great Sphinx Egypt summer solstice. It literally sets right at the head of the Great Sphinx. Now, I also think that that is the significance of there being what was it eighty feet that was naturally occurring and then an additional 30 feet. So what would happen with a lot of these ancient sites is they would see that they were naturally aligned with the heavenlies. So they saw them as these places where heaven met earth, right? And so they um, they would add to them. They would accentuate them, right? Like with Stonehenge, for example. The hillstone has been there for a long time, and some of those stones have been there for a very, very long time. But some of those stones were actually drug in from other places, a whole other county, and added to it. Why did they do that? They saw it as an area where heaven and earth overlapped. Same thing with the Great Sphinx, right? The Great Sphinx, um, there are reports, ancient reports out there, of people who were in the same area, and they talked about it just being like a, a rock formation, sandstone formation, that kind of looked like a line. wasn't exactly shaped that way, but it lined up with the summer solstice. So people added to that over time and carved it into a line with the face of a pharaoh to accentuate it. I suspect the same thing is true with Serpent Mound in Logan County, that some of it was naturally occurring, then it was accentuated and added on to because it lined up with the heavenlies and they saw this as a sacred site and that we actually encountered this guardian spirit of it. While we I were there, I would absolutely
1: agree. Yeah, that's that's was that was my thinking as well. Even on site, I remember <laughs> thinking, like, what are we doing? Like, think about what where we're at and what this place was used for, and what spiritually speaking could be here with us right now. Like, this was a location that was dedicated to these principalities and elemental spirits, and it was a stronghold for their worship, and it hasn't been touched in decades. I mean, they could literally be here right now.
0: Yeah, so. Now, let me kick, connect this into some biblical worldview world stuff here a little bit more. Because um, we've talked about it being profane space. We've talked about principalities, stuff like that. But here's the interesting thing. A lot of the legends surrounding these things, like the Native Americans, for example, like m- 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 the majority of them say that they didn't build these things. Like, for example, the Great Serpent Mound. Um, the Shawnee which just happened to so be the ones who are here in West Virginia are the current caretakers of great serpent mountain, Ohio, but they'll straight up tell you, we know we take care of it, but um, it was here before us. We, we did not, we did not build this. And so they actually say that it was
1: actually a group of human eating giants. I'm all for that. (laughs) I remember telling Bo on the mountain, I was like, you, this, these, these stones right here are put in place by these six fingered, like red headed giants from, you know the Nephilim camp, like they brought these things up here. Well,
0: we talked about this last week in our episode with Tony. Yep, right. Like they went to Skinwalker Ranch and they see petroglyphs of six fingered giants eating people and stuff like that. Like the Native Americans, if you listen to their stories, are saying we did not build this. This stuff was here before us, and we're the people who built this were were giants. You know, here's a fascinating thing. And I don't know what to do with this. I have no idea what to do with this. Um, there is actually a serpent mound. Ma- like, this isn't... These serpent mounds aren't the only serpent mounds in the world. Okay? There's serpent and it's mounds... it's not
1: the only reference to a serpent in West Virginia with the natives. Like, you go to places like the Petroglyphs and Salt Rock, mm-hmm. and there's a stone there that depicts uh, a horned river serpent right. and natives spearing and the bowing. The horned river serpent. Yeah. Right. It's a trope that's known throughout the tribes all over App- Appalachia.
0: Um, so there are serpent mounds in places like uh, Ohio. Um, there's, there's serpent mounds in Ashland. Logan Loken County. There's one in Ashland, Kentucky. There's one in uh, Ortana, Florida. There's one in o- Ontario, Canada. Um, Actually, I heard about the one in Boyd County today. I actually heard that the the head, they actually built a cell phone tower on the head of that serpent mound there. Very similar to the one in Logan County, because that cell phone tower is literally just 50 yards up from it. Yeah. Like just, ah, gosh. Using Nephilim power to power their their cell
1: phones. Just kidding. But, um... But there's gives you service into the afterlife, into the spirit realm. There you like go. You crawl, a, you get, if I your, get abducted, I'm taking my cell phone and I can call back.
0: turns your, your phone into a spirit box. There you go. Um,
1: but anyway. I could show you how to do that if you wanted. No, no I mean. thanks.
0: <laughs> um, but there's not just mounds here. Yeah. There's also mounds in places like Loch Nell, Scotland. Actually, if you look at the Serpent Mound in Loch Nell, Scotland, it actually looks very similar to the Great Serpent Mound in Adams County, Ohio. Like, it has the same exact tail feature where it coils up. And a fascinating thing, and we've talked about this before, I think. At one point, those mountains were the same mountains. They were. The Scottish Highlands at one point were, was a part of the, the Appalachians. Like there's a lot the of the Potomac
1: Highlands. Yes, there's in a lot of inter- interesting overlap there we talked about before, where these uh, these mountains were not only joined physically, but the same people groups from those regions in Scotland brought the same came stories to here to settle here, and they brought their religion, and they said that it felt view. like home. Yep, they said it was the closest thing to the Scotland Scottish Highlands that they that they'd seen.
0: They settled so, in the Potomac Highlands yep. and in the Appalachians, so I don't know quite what to do with that yet. But there is some kind of interesting overlap there that I'm just going to plop in listeners' laps and just let them think about for a while. So, uh, and then not only that, but, you know, there's there's serpent mounds in other places too. Um, you know, uh, there's a interesting observation here too. And I, this will be the last one before we move on to Shadow Appalachia stuff. Um, they, uh, Loch Nell uh, and Grimsby, Serpent Mounds, are both near settlements whose names sound like Clay. Clay and Claythorps, respectively. Boyd County in Kentucky, Loch in Scotland, and Grimsby, England, Serpent Mounds all have or are near places with Ket or Cat in the name. Get this, Richie. Get this, okay? I'm going to repeat it because she's looking at your watch. And yep. I want you to hear this because this is some straight up Fordian stuff right here, okay? I'm here for it. All right. This is this is like some Fay Factor stuff. Like this is strange. Um, Boyd County in Kentucky. That's where the Ashland Serpent Mounds at. Loch Nell in Scotland and Grimsby, England. There's the Serpent Mounds here all have or are near places with Ket or cat in their name. Catlessburg, Kentucky. Catrell and kets bank respectively so they're all near these locations that share ket or cat in the same name what is the significance of that
1: like i mean that's you're talking, just you're getting odd. into the, the the places of power places of uh, power names and uh things like that that you see in the occult so that's Some different, some interesting ground there to dive into. uh,
0: There's something up with it. Like like those connections are some, like for, they're undeniable. So something strange is afoot. And if you want more, if you want to hear the rest of the story and how it's going to turn out, you're going to have to wait till Shadow Appalachia comes out. So let's talk about that.
1: Right, let's let's kinda just give a little overview for the rest of the trip though. Yeah. Like where we went after that. Yep. Uh, that was the Friday we done the Serpent Mount expedition. Saturday we got up before the sun and went to where we go first? Uh, we, went down, we
0: went to downtown Logan. We checked out some of the Native American stuff in downtown Logan. Talked about Aracoma. Yep. Talked about Aracoma. Talked about the prehistoric village that was there before Aracoma, um, which there was a village there before that one, too, yeah. um, with the uh, the apparent Adina and the Hopewell. Um, and then we went to Man.
1: Let's maybe not give away no, all the threads.
0: No, we're not going to talk about all that. No, yeah. no. We went to Mann and we went to some various other places yeah. in Logan County. But if you want to hear the rest of the story and how all this uh, turned out, you're going to have to tune into Shadow Appalachia. Which brings
1: us now to Shadow Appalachia. That's right. First season, season one.
0: (laughs) Season one of Shadow Appalachia. So Richie, tell the folks when we're planning on releasing that.
1: All right. Season one of Shadow Appalachia, we hope to have ready by fall 2023. Yeah. But it focuses now entirely on the masks and manifestations of the phenomena here in Logan County. Okay. So season one of Shadow Appalachia is exclusive to Logan County. Five to seven episodes exclusive to the high strangeness here in Logan County.
0: So we're gonna be looking at things like Native American
1: principalities, we're gonna be looking at things like Mamie Thurman. Devil dogs, UFO My, reports, cryptid encounters, uh so, so the face, so much. And we're going to show you how this ties into the concept of a window area and what we believe about Logan County sharing those same attributes with places like Point Pleasant and Skinwalker Ranch and even B- the Bermuda Triangle, things like that. And how you should think about that as a Christian. Absolutely. Like How you, how you should deal with that and um,
0: what to do about that, um, how you should approach that. So you're going to see all of that in Shadow Appalachia. And so what's, what's the plan uh, moving past season one? So season one, we're going to be in Logan County. We're going to be profiling high strangers here. We're gonna make the case that Logan's a window area, yeah. and that there's all sorts of phenomena happening here in different masks. What are we doing after that?
1: Uh, season one sort of lays the foundation to what we and sets out terms like what we mean by window area and our categories and lenses that we're gonna view the phenomena that expands out from from Logan. So Logan is literally ha- where we set up these sort of foundational principles. <clears throat> we zoom out from there, and we'll go to places like. Mason County, to the native com- connections there with uh, Mothman and Chief Cornstalk and the phenomena that's there that is basically identical to what you find in Logan. Yeah,
0: maybe a little different mass cure there,
1: but yep. the same. And zooming out from there even further, going to things like the first case of high strangest ever in the United States, the Flatwoods Monster. And just it, as, as the seasons go, they zoom out even further and further. So you'll have uh, an entire season dedicated to one region in Appalachia, exploring the masks, the various manifestations.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, that sounds good. Looking forward to it. And uh, so let's tell people how they can, what to tune into,
1: how to keep up with all this stuff. How can they keep up with all this? Well, uh, the best way right now is to... Follow our Facebook posts. Follow our Instagram posts. We have a Discord where we post sort of behind-the-scenes things. Mm-hmm. We have a YouTube channel for Shadow Appalachia.
0: That's probably going to be the best place that you can keep up with Shadow Appalachia stuff.
1: That has a trailer and some behind-the-scenes things. Like we are, We're in the process right now of working on the full-length trailer that will be released. We're hoping by Halloween. Ooh. Maybe releasing another Dark Collar episode. Like It's in talks, so... We'll see.
0: I saw today that the Dark Holler episode drops the 28th. The third episode drops yep. the 28th. So Dark Holler episode three will be on YouTube, folks. Uh, so make sure to share that out whenever you see it. And hopefully there's going to be a new Shadow Appalachian, a full-length Shadow Apple. The full-length Appalach-
1: trailer will be there on the Dark Holler channel, too. So yep. it'll be... It'll be all places. places. Yep. So, Like if you um, follow any of our platforms, when it drops, you're going to see it because it's going to be everywhere. Right.
0: Okay. Well, we hope that you guys are excited about that. Uh, We hope that the little taste that we've given you today about the lost serpent mount of Logan County has piqued your interest and that uh, you're invested in this story and you want to see how it turns out and you want to see what's going on in Logan County. And uh, you want to to take that re-enchanted pill. (laughs) and uh take the re-enchanted bill right and uh see the narnia pill. and talking
1: uh, about trolls and fairies let's talk about the troll that got a hold of me over the weekend you're going to make that dude famous week. really i want to make him famous he made me very famous i'm mm. not going to mention his name yeah but it just goes to show you some of the backlash and and things you get from the from the christian community yeah. like just things that i've faced over the last 15 years working in the field like there's this this taboo uh head in the sand approach to these things to where they don't understand that they have the categories for these things but when they see you working in this this area they automatically attribute it, attribute it to the devil like it's it's something that I, I don't understand that might just be my background where i've come from with these things but well people would be, i think if people even knew if if people just knew what happened
0: in ministry in deliverance ministry, I think that they would be very uncomfortable. Because here's the reality. A lot of times when pastors are dealing with someone who is uh, demonized, right, that thing manifests itself physically in that person and speaks, right? Yeah. Like, that's a reality. So you, you're—I'm trying to think of what to, how to say this— Um. The reality is, is that we live in a world that is at war, and we live in a world that isn't two dimensional the way people want it to be. And you're going to have to deal with that. And things that we're going to do is probably going to make some of you uncomfortable.
1: Oh, like some of these. Spend (sighs) any amount of time with me, it's it's going to happen, and you're going to see some of that on camera and.
0: And here's the reality. You need to be confronted with that. Yeah. And not just you, but everybody does. Everybody needs to see what is out there. And they need to realize that the world that they're living in is populated with things other than just the things that they can see, touch, and taste, and smell and hear.
1: That's absolutely what I hope to show them with with Shadow Appalachia.
0: Yeah. So we hope that you're excited for that. We hope that you're along for the ride. It's going to be a wild one. And uh, we got anything else we want to drop before we sign off on this last October edition of the Sword and Staff?
1: We are working on means to uh, partner with us for Sword and Staff and to help fund the Shadow Appalachia Project. Yeah. So right now we're working on... uh, Kickstarter? Crowd crowd, uh, sourcing campaigns and trying to figure that out. And in the meantime, I mean, if you want to help... uh, get this thing off the ground, we have a way to donate on the website, I think now. Yep, you
0: can have, uh, head over to www.swordandstaff.net. There's a place that you can make a donation there for right now, but very soon there will be a crowdfunding uh, option for people.
1: There's there. also our Patreon. Mm-hmm. We have a Patreon account. www.patreon.com yep. backslash swordandstaffword. I love it. He's got it right on, on, on cue here. Yep. Every time. But absolutely, if we... uh we can't do this work without our patrons, like yeah. and the people that support us. I mean that, that the, our projects are literally funded by that right now. Yeah. So I mean, if if you want to be part of this, retaking this ground back for the kingdom, yeah, and, and showing the the world that we live in, absolutely, yeah. Like this is important. I mean, the church sort of didn't have their categories in place when the new age showed up, and that's how things ended up the way that they are here in in the United States. Like, if you want to be part of Taking these categories back, uh, reclaiming the paranormal worldview for the Christian camp Mm -hmm. from our perspective. Like, this is your chance. Yeah. And also, with that being said, I just want to say thank you so much to
0: the patrons and to the listeners this month. You guys have showed up in a huge way. The last episode that we did last week with Tony Merkel has now become our number one episode. It has the most listens of any episode uh, that we've ever had. It passed just a couple of, which it, it dethroned the fairy gods of Ireland and the Halloween episode that we did. You guys this month have been burning it up. You guys have been binge listening to sword and staff. And we thank you guys so much for that. We've been in the iTunes charts, For episodes, we've been in the top shows this month, and it's all because of you guys. Shadow Appalachia is because of you guys. We would not be able to do any of this without you guys. So we just wanted to say thank you so much for for tuning in. Thank you so much for coming along with us on this ride. And uh, we hope that you stick around, and we hope that we don't lose the momentum now that October's over. Let's keep that momentum coming into 2023.
1: Yeah, spring 2023 is when the bulk of filming and investigating and all these things kick off. So getting ready to go alright well I guess that wraps it up for this week's edition of the Sword
0: and Staff we hope that you enjoyed this week's episode and Richie if you don't have anything else we'll be signing off I've got so much to tell we're going to be in trouble you always so. do alright guys well thank you so much for tuning in this week's edition and we'll see you next time see you then see ya